0: The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning, happy Friday. Welcome back my friends as we continue. In our study through the book of Colossians. Uh, we're glad you're with us, glad you joined us on this Friday. We hope you had a great week. Uh, we hope that you have been able to, to see God do some things in your life, and hope you've been encouraged by our time together. We would invite you to join us this Sunday morning. We only have the morning service, and that'll be at 10 o'clock in the morning. So Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, uh, we will have our, we have place for a uh, nursery for younger children. We have children's church uh, for those up to sixth grade. The service will be trans, um, interpreted for the the deaf. So, all these things are available if you uh, would love to come. Love to have you, plenty of room for you to come and join us in worship. And uh, if you're unable to make it for whatever reason, we do live stream the morning service. So, we encourage you to join us. If you can't make it here in person, join us online. Colossians chapter 1, and we're going to uh, jump in here in just a moment down to verse number 12. And I'm going to tell you over the next couple of episodes, we're really beginning to dig deep into uh, what was one of the main premises that Paul wrote this letter to the Church of Colossae. We're gonna dig into the doctrine. We're gonna dig, start quickly, into this idea of doctrine. But before we do that, uh, I really want to take a second. I want to explain something. Um, I use a term doctrine, and I believe in today's culture, sometimes uh, preachers like myself can use titles, and sometimes we're not exactly sure exactly what that means. So let me give an example. I've heard some people who believe that doctrine means, well, this church has its doctrine, this church has its doctrine, and they believe that the doctrine is sometimes the small little things that separate us. So for example, um some people use certain kinds of music, or some people dress a certain way. L- little things, not necessarily biblical. There's little things that make us unique. We, would, I would call them preferences. Some people say, "Well, that's your doctrine." Um, no, uh, there are some philosophies and practices that separate churches a little bit over some preferential lines. Those would not necessarily be doctrine. When I go to doctrine, I don't talk about the small things that make some distinction. Even like I'm, a, we're a Baptist church. Uh, There are some things that separate me in in uniqueness or in in preference of philosophy from other Baptist churches. I wouldn't call them doctrines, uh, mostly preferences. Uh, when, I, when I go to doctrine, now please understand, doctrine does separate some churches. When you have different denominational names, many times the name is different based upon doctrine. I'm not worried about the separation of the churches, though. Let me explain what I'm talking about here. The doctrine is, le- is less about the small things that make a certain denomination unique or a certain church unique. Doctrine should really supersede those things and go into what the Bible teaches. I believe we can get caught up in some of the differences. That make one church unique over the other. And I don't think it's what God wanted. God wants us to focus on scripture, get our get our eyes off of things that separate us and what is it that the Bible says. And get in the Word of God. So doctrine is less about a uniqueness in a church and it's more it's simply what the Bible teaches. It is the teachings of Scripture. And so today what we're going to talk about, if we're going to use this official term, we're going to begin talking a little bit about the idea of Christology or the doctrine of Christ. It's simply the study of Christ. As a matter of fact, we have a little bit about the study of God at the beginning of this. And, but let me tell you simply what's, what's happening here. In this church, anytime somebody, you know, when they were coming in with Gnosticism and all these other doctrines, what they're trying to, One of the things you have to do is you have to undermine some of the primary core doctrines of other belief system to get your system in. So one of the things I think is very important when you're looking, what's truth? Uh, One of the core things is what is their belief about Jesus? In this situation, you're going to find over the next few verses, next couple episodes, that Jesus has been placed. He talks about the preeminence of Christ and all that He's done in our life. And many times in these other denominations, other doctrines, what you find is that Jesus is placed down. He's equal with the He's equal even excuse me with a prophet or even with another person from Scripture. He's a great teacher. He's a He's a good man. He, he did a lot of great things, but he, so he is. He's still important but he himself is not the only god we must understand that jesus is the only god he's the only way to heaven he's not a god a prophet a, he is the way the truth and the life no man comes to the father but through jesus christ not church not religion or any other belief in any system of religious any religious system that places jesus below i mean anything different than jesus being 100 percent god divine and the only way to get to heaven any system that teaches differently that is a false system and this is what paul's trying to teach this church and so in the next couple of episodes we'll break down and unpack some of these verses let's start with that in verse 12 in verse 12 of colossians 1 it says this giving thanks unto the father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us in the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son." In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. So, the first two verses I read reference God. So, giving thanks unto the Father, God the Father, the head of the Trinity, which, now catch a couple things. The wording in here is important for us to understand the doctrine that's being taught here. So, giving thanks unto God the Father, which made us, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance. Understand, he made us to be able to be partakers. It, it, the key, why is that important? We did not do anything. This is not things we've done. This is not works. This is not becoming good or righteous. There is nothing we can do to be able to receive inheritance of salvation through Christ. There's nothing we can do. And he starts, he made us this way. He has done the work to make it possible for us to come to him for salvation. It's not what we've done. It's what God has done. God has done this work. So he's made us to be partakers. Partakers of what? The inheritance of the saints in light. The inheritance of heaven, the inheritance of salvation, the inheritance of everything that God wants to offer to his family. He has given us the opportunity. We can't earn it. It's it's literally, the other picture calls about adoption. When somebody's adopted as a baby um, into a family, they they are removed uh, generally from an orphanage. They find themselves in a spot where, for whatever reason, um, the parent's not in the picture anymore, and they're removed from that emptiness of not having a name or a home, and they're brought into this family, and they get all the rights and privileges and inheritances of that family of which they were adopted. That's the picture here. We are removed from the family of Satan, the life of sin and emptiness, and we are adopted into the family of God, into brothers and sisters in the family of God, and we enjoy the inheritance, what that comes, the inheritance of being child, children of the king. And that, so that is inheritance. It changes, think about it, it changes our name, it changes our, our destiny, it changes our income and life, and all that we could expect from it changes when we're brought into this. God is the one that does this. In verse 13, in continuing, still speaking of God, who hath delivered us? from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He delivered us from the power of darkness. What is the power of darkness? Well, life without Christ life in the captivity following satan life in the captivity of sin in the power and the bondage of sin literally the picture would be that we are slaves to satan slaves to sin now the world wants to say no you have freedom to live any way you want to and i'm telling you anybody who has sought out what the world offers as freedom finds it to be empty finds it to be guilt-ridden finds it to be bonding i mean how many people struggle to free themselves from the battles of their life from the guilt? from the struggles of their past, from the regrets of their past, from the bondages of their, um, uh, their addictions to different things in life. They're looking for some way to enjoy freedom and all of the battles and the struggles that have come as a result of it. That's what we have been freed from, from the power of these things. It doesn't mean we never sin. It doesn't mean that we stop sinning. It just means, because we're, we're never going to be perfect, but it just means that the power, uh, the control that Satan and sin has over us is no longer there. He has delivered us. He did it from the power of darkness and has translated us into the kingdom of his son. The idea of translated literally means being moved from one kingdom into another. Uh, if, you, if you've been brought from one kingdom and as a refugee or whatever, and, and now are a citizen of this country, you're brought from one to the other. You've been translated from uh, one life, one citizenship to another. So we've been translated from the citizenship of the world, citizenship of, of Satan's family, and then translated or changed to a new citizenship is what it says in that verse. God did all of this. Now he references, because he finishes verse 13, referencing the kingdom of his dear son, the kingdom of Jesus Christ, and then verse 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 14, so he's referencing Jesus here. He says, in whom, in Christ, we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of death. Redemption is basically, uh, it simply means that our um, our price has been paid. Simply the idea goes back to the idea of slavery. In the days of slavery, one of the ways that somebody could be removed is somebody would pay the price of that slave and then free them. We are slaves to sin due to our own decisions and our sin nature. God, through Jesus Christ going to the cross, Jesus went to the cross, died on the cross, shed his blood, paid the price for my sin. And when doing that, he paid the price for my, my sin, the penalty, and then gave me freedom. He chose to give me freedom from the slavery in whom we have redemption. He's purchased us through his blood, not through his death, but through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. He has looked down on us. We're not perfect, we're not great. We're still sinners, saved by grace. And we look, he looks down at us, and when Christ looks down at us as Christians, he doesn't say, oh, wonderful, great people. God looks down at us, he sees the blood of Jesus on our life, he sees that I have been, been redemption through the blood of Jesus, not through good works. Not through anything I am, not through who I am at all. It's who I have been adopted into. It's whose family I'm in. And when God sees me, He sees the blood of Jesus and He sees me as righteous. He sees me as a saint. That's how come I can get into heaven? Because God has purchased that through the blood of Jesus Christ for me. Jesus has done all of this and has purchased that. And again, it's not, we're not separating God and Jesus. They're, they're a Trinity and it's unique because they're one. God, Jesus, you know, God the Father, and this is God the Son, who did all this for us. Salvation is not through church, salvation is not through good works, salvation is not through anything else, but through Jesus Christ and the shed blood. In Hebrews it says, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. It is the blood of Jesus. It's not His death, it's the blood of Jesus. Now, He died on the cross, but He shed His blood. It's a picture of the Old Testament sacrifices all leading up to that day. And I wish we could spend more time. I've already gone longer than I normally do. Maybe we'll pick this up next time as we continue in this. And I, it's such an important topic that we get a, a firm understanding of what Jesus Christ has done for us. Well, again, thanks for joining us today. you for joining us this week as we begin our journey in the book of Colossians. I hope this is an encouragement. It is a bit of a deeper study, and I hope we can dig down and give us a firm understanding of our. It's a Christian of our positions. What is it that gives us strength? But maybe the unsaved will look and realize this is simple. Uh, the world makes us complex. God has made this so simple. Simply faith in Christ. And we hope maybe this will be a help to point you to Christ. Again, thanks for joining us today. We look forward to seeing you again this coming Monday.